Hello. Let me just organize myself. That was fun, wasn't it? Oh. And what a great thing to speak off the back of. Well, tonight I'm going to speak on the topic of unity, which is very much about being family. And this is a talk I've given in, I think, four other places, in Leicester, in Denmark, um, in Sweden, and at United this last summer. And I thought, um, here's an opportunity. I can do it in my own home church with my own home family. So um, I really think speaking on unity is fitting today because this is a day that we keep to remember those who have died in war. War being the ultimate declaration of division between people. And as we're living in a time when the country is so divided, we need to remember that unity in the church is a powerful witness. And hearing those young people, you can imagine other young people looking on, seeing that beautiful relationship between them, thinking, I want that, I want some of that. And it is such a witness to the world. And also, unity brings blessing. And we were just singing um, so wonderfully, being led, um, revival, we want to see your kingdom here. And unity is a really big part of the kingdom coming. Um, when the spirit comes and he break down, breaks down walls, it's unity that comes. So let's just look together at Psalm 133. It's on page, let me put my glasses on. It begins on six, page 625, right down at the very bottom of the page. And I do have it on the screen as well. So Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is, a, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, that's a, a beautiful psalm, how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Unfortunately, the, um, the picture hasn't really translated over the thousands of years, so when I hear about oil being poured on my head and running down onto the collar of my robe, it doesn't sound that appealing. I don't know about you. Um, but for them, when this psalm was written, that was really special and meaningful. It was a sign of blessing. It was a sign of anointing. And when you didn't have shampoo and you couldn't wash your hair that often, oil's kind of what you use to keep it okay. So the idea of this oil running down, running down even onto the beard, onto the collar, it's like abundant blessing coming. And that's what unity brings. Some other verses from the Bible. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we can see from these words from Paul that unity doesn't come easily. There is a cost involved. It doesn't come naturally. He's telling us we have to work at it. And most importantly, Jesus, just before his crucifixion, he prays that his followers would be one. We see in John 17, he prays, may they, and that's, he's talking about all his followers ever since, which includes us. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So unity was important to Jesus, and our unity is what the world will let the world know that Jesus was the real deal. 
And then uh, Apostle Paul, again, he uses the image of the body in 1 Corinthians and Romans to talk about we're different, but we're part of something together. Now, when I um, was thinking about unity, I was asked to speak about it um, in, in Leicester early last January, and this is, um, I was thinking about it and praying about it, and I came across this beautiful thing about bees and wasps in a book on prophecy. And it really got me thinking about um, how much we can learn from it. So before we go on, and I go on about this, I just want you to take a minute. Now, you're used to talking to each other already. We've done that already. You've said hello to each other. Now, somebody you said hello to, just turn to them and tell them what you know about bees and wasps. How are they different? How are they the same? You know, they're in the news a lot. So just going to take a minute, talk about bees and wasps. Go, now. Okay, so hopefully you've had the chance to get your mind thinking about the difference between bees and wasps. Now, you might be thinking, what is this about? But trust me, we're going somewhere. Now, I, um, I read when I was preparing for this uh, quite a lot about the subject, and I found a survey that the BBC had done, and they were, went around asking people, what is the... Um, the, the number one word you associate with a bee and the number one word you associate with a wasp. Okay, then they put this survey out and, um, and I've got the top three for you. So we have the picture, the top three words associated with wasps are, number one, sting. <laughs> number two, annoying. Number three, dangerous. The top three words the British public associate with wasps. The top three words for bees were number one, honey, number two, flowers, and number three, pollination. Guess who has the better reputation? (laughs) The wasps need to work on their PR, but bees have the better reputation. So with that in mind, as the body of Christ, I want to suggest that we be more bee. Cute, isn't it? It didn't work so well in Denmark or Sweden. But my translators worked hard and they found an alternative, but it works really well in English. Let's be more be. Um, I just want to think, what can we learn by looking at bees and wasps? And I do feel on safe ground here because Jesus told us to learn from the birds and the flowers, as well as using many other things from the natural world to teach. 
Also, Proverbs encourages us to learn from the ants as well as other animals, and there are many examples of the prophets using things from nature and different animals, so I feel on safe ground talking about bees and wasps. And with that being said, it's also important to say that all metaphors will fall apart at some point. So don't come to me with, you know, with lots of, yes, but Becky. But we can learn something, but we won't push it too far. But we're going to see what we can learn. So let's take a look at the difference between wasps and bees. And I'd like to be provocative and think of them as both being representatives of Christians, with bees being the kind of Christ followers that we aim to be. And how does that affect what we can learn from them? Well, first of all, let's think what they have in common. And you probably said some of these things to each other. They're both in decline. They do look similar. They both live in community with others of their kind, um, but there are more solitary wasps. They both communicate um, within their communities. And they both are good for the environment. So those are things they have in common. But what is different about them? Well, the first one I want to think about are their homes. We should have a picture. There we go. Um, now, bees live in hives that are made up of chambers of perfect hexagons. There's complete order and efficiency in the hive, with each bee knowing which part it plays. And I'm pretty sure there's no comparing going on in the hive. No worker bees saying uh, to the drones, you drones, you don't know how good you have it, or just as bad than wanting to be the queen bee, while the queen bee's thinking, oh, it's all right for you, you get to leave the hive, I just have to lay here and lay eggs all the time. You don't know, they all get on with what they're made to do. And these amazing hives, they are made up of perfect hexagons. And they're made from wax. It's a wax that, produced, that is produced in the bee's abdomen. That's what the, the hives are made of. Whereas wasps' nests are made using their spit. So wasps spit on wood, and they produce something that's like paper. And they make their homes from that. And it's incredibly clever. But I would suggest it's not as costly to them. And what I take from this is that unity requires true commitment from our guts. It doesn't just require spit or lip service. It costs something deep from us to build the whole. And if you have ever had to push past your own ego, your own sense of comfort, your own sense of being right, or your need for approval or attention, you know it costs to preserve harmony and to build a home where there's a place for everyone. Rachel Gardner, who's a great um, speaker and author, she puts it this way in her book called Girl Deconstructed. She says, our ego wants to guarantee our self-importance and protect our interests. Our ego is often in direct conflict with what we know we need to do. And I have found this to be true over and over again. It's a part of taking up our cross and following Jesus to really love means putting others first. It means not taking offense, and it means being quick to forgive when we've been hurt. And none of those things come cheaply, they're costly. And that is why the Apostle Paul, as I read earlier, tells us to bear with one another. You don't have to bear with something if it's easy and it feels good. Keeping unity costs us something from deep within ourselves. But the cost we pay in the short term is nothing compared to the long-term reward for us and for others. So that's their homes, how they're different. The second thing I want to think about is their shape. 
The shape of their bodies affects their um, pollinating effectiveness. Now, both bees and wasps pollinate. That, that's they transfer pollen from one place to another, which is what is needed for the fruits and the flowers to grow. But because of the difference in their physiology, it's, it's subtle, but it's there, bees are much more effective because, they're because of their body shape and because the pollen sticks to the fuzzy hairs that cover them, so they transfer it to the next flower they visit. You can see the difference and the, the furry bits there. When I did this talk in Leicester, I, I was doing it over two or three talks, and I had a woman come to me after I did this bit, and she said, I never thought I'd come to a women's conference where they told me I had to have a round belly and hairy legs. <laughs> I said, hey? And then I realized what she was saying. Anyway. Um, now, wasps can pollinate, but not nearly as effectively. Wasps are mainly predators. They feed on other living, living beings, or they scavenge. They take food that's lying around. And that's why wasps love picnics so much. I can remember being at a wedding reception once, and um, it was outside, and there was this big thing of meat there, and just watching this line of wasps coming and going, each carrying a tiny bit of meat away with them, uh, taking the food that was there. Now, when I think about this metaphor for myself, I know I want to be the right shape and design for pollination, that is, spreading life, leading to fruitfulness. I definitely don't want to be someone who feeds on others. I don't want to be someone who steals other people's food or just takes what someone else has left behind. And I know in order to do that, I need to be spiritually shaped by time with God, time in His Word, in worship, by being open to His Spirit, that's what makes me the right shape to bring life, to bring fruitfulness, and it will do the same for you. Now, I know for a fact that if I didn't allow God's Word and His Holy Spirit to shape me, I could easily have found myself over the years in a pity party, and probably I did a few times, if I'm honest. Now, if you know Paul and I, you know that our 20-year-old son has severe special needs, and there has been times over the years when I've had to fight really hard not to feel sorry for myself as I've watched my peers' children thrive and develop. The temptation to wrap myself up with envy and the feeling that it's just not fair has been a strong one for me in the past. But with God's help, I've learned to resist that temptation. And as soon as it appears on the horizon of my mind or my heart, I don't go there. I just choose to say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not, um, I'm not entertaining that thought or that feeling. And it's important I don't give in to that temptation, that temptation to envy or to feel sorry for myself, for my own sake, my own sense of peace and joy. But it's also crucially important I don't give in, because if I did, it would be a surefire way for me to damage unity. How can I be united with someone if I'm envious of them? if I want what they have, which will, let's face it, inevitably lead me to resenting them for having it. And those are hard words to hear and to think about, but they're true. And that's just one area that I've needed to allow God to shape me, but there have been and are many others. In my life, I've needed vast amounts of emotional healing, which has, of course, been connected to my sense of self-worth. I was seriously controlled by my insecurities in the past, but I like to think now that I control them. And that is definitely true a lot of the time, but if I'm being completely honest, not all of the time. But I'm learning to focus on how far I've come 
instead of getting hung, getting hung up on the distance, I still have to go. And in that, to be aware enough to ask the question that, is, that if there's any way I'm stepping out of unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ, is it because of something in me that still needs healing, that still needs to be shaped by God's spirit and his truth? Because we must continually be allowing ourselves to be shaped by him. And that leads me to another aspect of the difference between bees and wasps, and that is their sting. That's a flower, that's a picture of the pollination. I don't have a picture of the sting, I thought it was too scary, I didn't like it. Um, so sting, wasps, now you may know this, wasps can sting repeatedly with no damage to themselves. But most bees, most bees can only sting once as a last resort, and usually they only do it then to protect the hive because it costs them everything. And with that in mind, my question is, which one would you rather be around? The one that can sting repeatedly or the one who's only gonna sting once as a last resort? And my follow-up question is, which one would you rather be? Would you rather be someone who stings repeatedly or someone who only stings as a last resort? And the fact is that we know what it's like because we've all been stung by someone. It's not a pleasant experience. The unkind word, the passive-aggressive comment, the undeserved accusation, and even the outright betrayal are all on the spectrum of the sting we can use on each other. It's even possible to sting someone when they aren't with you. We know that. Rumors, criticism, negativity, gossip about someone behind their back, it still hurts. It hurts the one who says it, it hurts the one who hears it, and it hurts the one it's about, and it is an assassin of unity. And that's why there are so many warnings about it in the Bible. And we'll all recognize the truth that those who sting others repeatedly are those who most people do their best to avoid. Oh, here comes so-and-so, I'll just go off to the toilet, that sort of thing. So let's do our best with the Lord's help not to be that kind of person. And let's ask for the Lord's help to love that kind of person, to see them as he sees them, because most likely their sting will be coming from a place of their own insecurities and brokenness. And the simple truth is we all need to have a spirit of grace and forgiveness. Of course, there are times to bring correction to someone, to speak a hard truth, but we should only sting as a last resort, and it should be costly for us to do so. And if we have been stung by someone in a way that is still hurting us, we need to take it to the Lord. We need to ask for his healing and release the one who has stung us by choosing to forgive them. Again, this is not easy, but it is necessary. And I want to say, and I cannot state this strongly enough, forgiveness is a key for unity. If we find ourselves keeping a record of wrongs against our sisters and brothers, our unity will be poisoned. As a friend of mine just said this last week, I knew I finally had to forgive someone about this thing. I didn't want to, she went on, as it was more interesting and fun to think what jerks people can be. And I thought, yeah, that sums it up perfectly. That, sum, that sums up a really big stumbling block to forgiveness right there. It's easier to think about how unkind or what a jerk somebody is rather than to release them and pray blessing for them. 
We have to regularly allow the Holy Spirit to search us and reveal any hurt or wrong attitude we're carrying towards someone else, remembering all that Jesus taught us about forgiveness and remembering all that he has forgiven us. And then maybe, as bees are most associated, the number one word was honey, so as they're most associated with producing honey, as we live these lives of forgiveness, grace, and love, we will be associated with adding much-needed sweetness to life. Now, I know from my own experience that to really allow sweetness to come from us, we must also allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the pain and disappointments we carry. We must let him heal the places where we've experienced the exact opposite of sweetness in our own lives. And we have to remember that God is never the author of our pain, ever. The damaging things that happen to us are a result of the world being broken. What God does is that, what God does is he, he meets us there, he comforts us, he redeems our brokenness, and he restores us as we allow him to. Now, if you um, have known me um, and you've heard me speak before, if you read the book Paul and I wrote together, you'll know my story from my past about um, I had three siblings die, and um, one before I was born, one when I was five years old, and then my sister who died when I was babysitting her when I was 13. Uh, she died in an accident, uh, she was taking a bath, and I was babysitting her. She had a seizure, and I found her floating in the bathtub, face down. And um, obviously, that was a hugely traumatic experience for me. I knew the Lord, I was a Christian, um, and my faith was still strong, but I lived with a huge degree of guilt and shame for many, many years, and that stopped me um, from responding to to receiving all that God had for me because I couldn't really receive his love and healing because I found it so painful. But over the years, um, that's why I love the song Reckless Love. He never gives up on us. He, no wall he won't break down, no lie he won't, I can't tear down, I, no, I love the song, I can't remember it now. Anyway, no, no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up coming after us and that is definitely my testimony. The Lord pursued me and pursued me to bring his healing no matter how many times I resisted he just kept pouring his love on me to bring me healing, to bring me release, like that lovely picture of a padlock with a key unlocking me um, from guilt and shame. And that's what he does for all of us. And I know through his, uh, his healing and his grace, he's enabled me to be able to help others who are hurting, to, be, uh, to help others to, to point them to the honey, to the sweetness that the Father, that Jesus, that the Spirit, that they bring, that they can... Um, bring to us personally, and I can say this is what he's done for me, and this is what he will do for you. And as we're each able to come and receive from his goodness, from his sweetness, to, to believe that it's for us, sometimes we think, oh no, it's not for me, it's for somebody else, or I've tasted so much bitterness, if I taste a bit of sweetness, it's going to be too painful. Um, there's all sorts of reasons why we resist, but he is always pursuing us, and as we can receive from him, he then uses us to point it to others. And that's what he wants to do for his body, is as he heals us and he brings us unity, as we learn how to bear with each other and love each other and forgive each other, um, we're able to show the, the hurting world um, what unity, what love looks like, and we can only do it because of him. So that's what I wanted to talk about with bees and wasps tonight. So we thought about the difference between their homes 
um, about their shape for pollination, how they sting differently, and how um, bees produce the sweetness. So I'd love us to have a time of praying together. Um, and so we'll start just by standing, I think, and I'm just going to ask the Spirit to come and see what happens. <laughs> 